Okay. And it's uh, on Galatians. And I'll explain the subtitle in a little bit, but it's called Galatians, the Naked Gospel. Okay? Now, this book is really, really important. In fact, you may not understand how important this book has been to history. Okay? Uh, there was a man named Martin Luther back in the 1500s who was a German monk. And Martin Luther saw some real problems with the Catholic Church at the time. What they were doing was they were making people pay indulgences, making them pay money to have their sins forgiven. And so Martin Luther saw this this problem in the Catholic Church, and he decided to stand up against the Catholic Church. And this video shows you how. of these writings. I am. Do you recant what you have written here? I cannot renounce all of my works because they are not all the same. First of those books in which I have described Christian faith and life so simply that even my opponents have admitted that these works are useful. To renounce these writings would be unthinkable, for that would be to renounce accepted Christian truths. He is not here to make speeches, only to answer. The second group of my work is directed against the foul doctrine and evil living of the popes, past and present. No! Through the laws of the pope and the doctrines of men, the consciences of the faithful have been miserably vexed and flayed. If I recant these books, I will do nothing but add strength to tyranny and open not just the windows but also the doors to this great ungodliness. He has condemned himself. In the third group, I have written against private persons and individuals who uphold Roman tyranny and have attacked my own efforts to encourage piety to Christ. I confess but I had written too harshly. I am but a man and I can err. Only let my errors be proven by Scripture. And I will revoke my work and throw my books into the fire. You have not answered the question. You, Martin Luther, will not draw into doubt those things which the Catholic Church has judged already. Things that have passed into usage, right, and observance. The faith that Christ, the most perfect lawgiver, ordained. The faith the martyrs strengthened with their blood. You wait in vain for a disputation over things that you are obligated to believe. Now give your answer. Yes or no. Will you recount or will you not? 
since your majesty and your lordships desire a simple reply. I will answer. Unless I am convinced by scripture and by plain reason and not by popes and councils who have so often contradicted themselves. My conscience is captive to the word of God. To go against conscience is neither right nor safe. I cannot. And I will not recant. Here I stand. I can do no other. Galatians is one of the books that was instrumental in changing Luther's life, his viewpoint of what the church was supposed to be. And as it changed his life, then it spread to the church. And the church underwent a reformation. That's why it's called the Protestant Reformation. They were protesting the Catholic Church. And so if there's anything we can learn from this book and from the life of Luther, it is that God changes the church by changing its people. If God's going to ever change the church, it has to start with us. There are plenty of you, I'm sure, that have been upset at the church or or mad at the church in some way. But if God's going to change the church as an institution, He's got to start with us. He's got to start with us. So we're calling the series The Naked Gospel. And that might sound like a sort of a risque title, I know, but uh, there's a couple reasons why I've chosen that title. One of those is sinful. Other is not sinful. Uh, For one... You put the word naked in front of anything, and people want to listen to what you're talking about, right? That's just the bottom line, okay? It's like the whole furniture store when it says nude furniture. You're like, whoa, what kind of furniture is that? What's, what's the deal, you know? And so part of it is I'm tapping into your sinful nature, and I'm basically saying, like, yeah, if I just call it the gospel, you'd be like, who cares? But the naked gospel, you'd be like, okay, what's that about, right? And so that's why we're calling it that on the one hand. On the other hand, it really is It's going to be about the pure gospel, just the pure gospel. Okay? Now, I want to give you some background about Galatians. Who read the book of Galatians? Everyone, all at one time, please. Who wrote the book of Galatians? Paul, okay. Uh, Making sure you're awake. Now, here's what Paul did Paul would travel around, he would travel around planting churches in different parts of, of Europe. And after he would uh, plant a church and move on, he would hear of problems at some of the churches he had planted. So what he would do is he would write a letter back to the people that he had planned a church with. And so that's why all the titles of his letters were called Corinthians or Galatians or Ephesians or Philippians. They were all based on people groups that he had planted a church there. And he was writing to correct false thinking, false belief systems. And so the things he's addressing with the Galatians are these. He's addressing disunity between Jewish Christians 
and non-Jew Christians. I'll try to boil this down as best I can just really quickly. But basically there were certain people that were Jews that had followed the laws of Moses before Christ. They came to know Christ and they thought they had to keep on following those same laws. Dietary regulations, circumcision, all kinds of things that were completely Jewish. They thought they had to keep on following the laws of Moses. Now the purpose of the laws of Moses were to point to Jesus Christ. So once Jesus Christ came, they no longer were living under the law of Moses. But there were some Jews that tried to convince people that were not Jews, hey, if you're going to become a Christian, you've got to start following the laws of Moses. It's not just Jesus. It's also Jesus and the laws of Moses. And so they're distorting the gospel. And so um, they have this disunity thing going on. So Paul, Paul's letter is basically to teach the Galatians that their disunity stems from their lack of understanding of the gospel. Okay? And so if Galatians shows us anything, it's this. It's that Christians still need to hear the gospel. Most of you probably sitting here right now, you think once you're a certain point down the line of your Christian faith, you just think, you know, hey, that's, I learned that when I was a kid. That, that was way back when. And now I just need to grow on towards bigger and better things. Paul would disagree with that. He would say, the essence of the Christian life needs to be about rooting yourself, deepening yourself in the gospel. That's what it's about. And so he points out that every human problem that we have can be pointed back to someone not living out the gospel. I'll give you an example. Uh, Every so often, not very often, but my wife and I will have an argument. It's usually her fault, but we'll have one sometimes. And whenever that does happen, there are times, a few times where I've been wrong in the argument. Not very often. And, uh, but whenever that does happen, there's this thing in me, when I know I've been wrong, that I do not want to go to her and say, hey, I'm sorry, I, I was wrong. Here's what I'll do. I'll say everything except that. I'll say, well, you know, I was having a bad day, or um, the tacos you made last night weren't that good, and it wasn't settling right, and so I, indigestion, it just kind of came out a different way. I, I, just, I, I just couldn't handle what you were talking about, and so I'll, I'll make up some other excuse as to why I did what I did, okay? And, and so that's what happens, and so I'll find other ways to blame her for, for my sin. Here's what's going on in that situation. Basically, I don't want to admit that I'm a sinner. And so in that moment, I am not applying the gospel to my life. Everything you can think about, whether it's divorce, family dysfunction, there's a friend that you fight with all the time. The problems that you have in life can all relate back to you not applying the gospel in the way that that you need to. Someone said that the gospel is is not the ABCs of the Christian life, but it's the A to Z of the Christian life. You see, the Galatians were adding things to the gospel. They were adding, it was Jesus and something else. It was Jesus and the works of the law. Jesus and other things that they wanted to add to the gospel. And so in this letter, Paul is telling them that all you need is the pure, the naked gospel. Okay? Now your first question at your table is going to be this. I need you to uh, 
in your own words, at your tables, I want you to articulate to each other as best you can, what is the gospel? Alright? What is the gospel according to your current understanding? What are the main points of the gospel? Okay? Discuss for a few moments. Okay, help me out here. What what are the main points? Just each table shout out one main point that you came up with. Okay, Jesus. Be a bit more specific than that, please. Give me a main point. What's what are some main points here? Was there a hand over here? Oh yes, there was. I saw it. Okay, anybody? Okay, resurrection. Can can you just give me some expound on that a little bit? What what does that what does that do? What does that what does that even mean? Okay, forgiving us of sins. Okay, in Hebrews it says without, without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin. Okay? Yes. Okay, we are sinners. So you're kinda of going backwards here. We've got to start someplace, that means we are sinners. Which is why we need forgiveness. Okay, what else? So that's just it. Where sinners need forgiveness. That's that's the whole gospel right there. What else? Bobby? I'm afraid to call on you. You censored yourself. That's good. That's good. Self-discipline. Anything else? Yes. Okay. So after maybe you become a Christian, living a, a righteous life in Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, that's good. Um, I ask this question because I know that when I say what is the gospel, you get even from Christians blank stares. You get this what what are you what are you really talking about when you I know the word. Anybody know what the word gospel actually means? It means good news. Okay. And so, as we think about the gospel in this series, it, it may be something that I imagine that most of you have thought to yourself, hey, I've got that nailed, I know the story. But we're going to talk about how to deepen yourself in that story throughout this series. Okay? In fact, there was a uh, class that I took when I first went to uh, Bible college, and it was a class that I was not really excited for right away because it was called Spiritual Life. And I thought, What's this class going to be about? And someone said, well, this is a class on the gospel. And I thought, okay, I'm 24 years old. I've been a Christian since I was four. Why do I need a class on the gospel? What can they possibly tell me that I don't already know? And so I was, I was coming into this class with, with very low expectations. But as this professor stood up front every day and, and talked to us about what the gospel meant for our lives, there were, there were moments in that class when I would shed tears over knowing how deep the gospel was. There were days when I would drive home with tears in my eyes just thinking about the magnificence of the gospel story. And so this class challenged me to grow and to deepen in my walk with God as I learned about what the gospel really meant for us. 
You see, the Christian life, it's not just about hearing the gospel, responding to it, and then moving on to bigger and better things. The entire Christian life is about the gospel. It's all about the gospel. The Christian life is about growing deep in your understanding of the gospel. So look with me at Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. And it says here, it says, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me, to the churches in Galatia. Now, when you write a letter, what do you normally put at the top? Dear so-and-so. Now, you guys don't do that today because you, you text message, you email, you don't write anything, like any kind of a greeting. How many of you actually write a greeting for when you write a text message or email or something? Just something. At least like, hey, right? Just something. If you just start, if you just start into an email or a letter, it sounds rude, doesn't it? It just sounds kind of rude. So Paul would start off all of his letters with some kind of a greeting. Like he would say, okay, this is Paul. I'm an apostle. And he'd say who he was. And he would say, to the churches in wherever. All right? That would be his normal greeting. Now, uh, Paul is doing something else here as well. I don't want you to miss this. He calls himself a what? An apostle. What is an, what is an apostle? What, what does that word mean? Anybody know the meaning of that word? Anyone? It means sent one. Okay? So he's being sent from God. He's being sent from God to these people called the Galatians. Now, why do you think he might call himself an apostle? He's writing to really young Christians here. The Galatians are very young Christians. Young Christians struggle with what? Authority. Right? Sin. They struggle with recognizing authority. In other words, Paul's writing to them, and he's, he's appealing to this authoritative thing. Now, he's not doing this in a judgmental, arrogant way. He's not saying, like, hey, listen to me. I'm the boss. Listen to what I have to say. He's just saying, look, I've been changed by Jesus. I'm an apostle. I'm an official apostle. And I'm writing to correct some belief systems that you have in your church. So he's saying that to appeal to authority, because his authority comes from God. And if they don't recognize him as an authority figure in their life, a spiritual authority figure in their community, then there's no way they're going to change. There's no way they're really going to change. Just like a parent, whenever you get in trouble, a parent might appeal to, uh, to who they are and who you're not. You know, hey, I'm your parent, reminding you, hey, I'm, I have this role in your life to, to correct you and to guide you. And, and this is what Paul is doing when he speaks this way to the Galatians. In verse 3 it says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, this is also part of his greeting. I don't want you to miss this, though. Paul says that Jesus rescues us from the present evil age. There is not one other religious leader in this world that can make that claim. Not Buddha, not Mohammed, not whoever they look to for, for Hinduism, not Joseph Smith. There is, there is no other religious leader that can make the claim 
that they rescue us from, from sin. Now, if someone is drowning, if someone's drowning, what do you do for them? You might jump in and save them. You might throw them a life preserver. Would, would any of you uh, throw them a manual on how to swim? Okay? A manual's not going to help them at all, right? It's too late. But what you, look, you look around at the religious climate of our culture, and there are so many people that say, here's a manual on how to improve your life in these certain areas. They give you life manuals. They might be some, there might be some good wisdom, might be some good morals and some good teaching in those other religions, but no other religious leader can claim that they rescue us from this evil age. No one else can make that claim. And you see, I think for us, at certain points of your life, when the gospel becomes real to you, when it really just clicks in and you understand it, it goes from this head knowledge to a real heart faith and a heart desire. At those points, you recognize this, this analogy that Jesus Christ is a rescuer. He rescues us. In fact, I was uh, moved last summer when uh, one of our girls that did impact with us last summer, she went through the entire week of impact. She was preaching the gospel to little kids all week. And at the end of the week, we're in this room and we're talking about how God had changed us that week. And she stood up and she said, you know, I feel like for the first time in my life, I've come to know Christ. And she had tears in her eyes. We all had tears in our eyes after what she was saying. But she felt like for the first time this image of Christ being the rescuer in her life, the way she's walking was maybe a way of sin. And she felt like, hey, look, I feel like this is the time I want to follow Christ. This is the time where I see Jesus as the rescuer for me. And so for each one of you guys in this room, there's going to be a place in your life when the gospel becomes more powerful, more real to you, because you begin to see him in this way. You see him as the rescuer. Look at verse 6. It says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. And so Paul is really surprised here that they are deserting the gospel and they are embracing another one. Now the question must be asked, why would they do that? Why would they desert this gospel of grace and embrace a whole different gospel? Here's why. Because the gospel of grace, when God reaches down and he looks at unworthy sinners like us and he says, look, there is nothing you can do to save yourselves. I'm going to be your rescuer. When he looks down at us like that, there's something inside of us that feels like, okay, I'll receive your grace, but we also don't like the fact that we need him so much. We don't like the fact that we can't do something on our own. And so for the Galatians, it was like grace just seemed too easy. It was like grace just seemed, oh, come on, there's got to be more to that than just this grace thing. There's got to be more than just Jesus. I mean, come on, we've been living the law for this many years, and that's been really hard. We've got to make this Christian life harder. 
And there's something I want you to get from this. The thing about grace is that grace can seem easy, but it can also seem really hard. Because it's easy because Christ extends His hand to us. And all we have to do is receive it. And that way it's easy. But it's really hard because there's something in us, it's a pride thing that makes us think, no, I've got I've to do some works to feel good about myself. I've got to do some good things to make myself feel like I'm worthy to receive the grace that I'm getting. And so grace can be really easy. It can also be really hard for us to receive it. And that's what the Galatians are struggling with. And so, so Paul says, when the gospel is changed even slightly, even just an inch, it becomes no gospel at all. If you change the entire thing. If you add any bit of works, righteousness to it, you've changed the whole thing. Next question for you to discuss. How do people add to the gospel today in ways that might lessen its power? Go ahead and discuss for a few minutes. Okay, help me out. What are some ways that people add to the gospel today? Yes. Okay, so maybe they they think that you have to put on a certain appearance to come to a church like this. Okay, that's good. Yes, what else? Yes. Okay, so like if you come to know Christ, everything in your life will dramatically improve. What else? Okay. So adding works to the gospel. Ariel. Okay. So they might do the exact opposite. They might abuse his grace. Okay. Jake. Give up your money. That's a great one. Some guys might beg for money. Okay. What else? Yes. Okay, so you make uh, church attendance or involvement the crux of your faith, what it's based on. What else? Was there a hand over here? Okay. Now, there are tons of ways we do this, and I think you can, this thing is like an onion. You can keep peeling this thing over and over again and never get to the bottom of it. You can, you, your sin is like multi-layered, okay? But Paul condemns. Paul condemns any teaching not based on these two facts behind me. One is, we are too sinful to contribute anything to our salvation. You and I are are too sinful to do anything towards our salvation. That means that we are saved by Jesus' work, which is the grace of Christ, plus nothing else. Plus nothing else. There's nothing you and I can add to our salvation. 
Now here's the ways that I think we as Christians can add to the gospel. Some Christians think that they're saved by the level of their faith. They think, well, if I have enough faith and my faith thermometer reaches a certain level, then Jesus is going to save me. They think they're saved by the level of your faith. You are never saved by the level of your faith. You are saved by the objects of your faith. Think about this. When you think you're saved by the level of your faith, what are you putting your faith in? You're putting your faith in your own faith. But when you see Christ for who He is, and He, and he becomes the object of your faith, the level of your faith is a non-issue. Because all of us have faith that goes like this, don't we? It's like, it's like, a, it's like a, a, a boat at sea during a storm. Okay? And so you, have, you, you can't look at the level of your faith as being what makes you saved. Alright? Uh, also, legalism. Legalism, you guys mentioned that, is a huge one. Adding rules to the gospel. I was in uh, Starbucks recently, and I was uh, sitting there working on some stuff for Sunday morning. And this guy that goes to this church came in, and he saw me and came over to say hi, say hi to me. And there was a woman in line who had tattoos all over her body. And he just said, he goes, yeah, look at that. I'm like, look at what? This lady has tattoos. I said, so? And he said, can you believe that? Can you believe that somebody would do something like that? I'm thinking... I really don't care about that. That's not a big issue for me. But for him, this was a huge issue. He was giving me verses and trying to back it up with Scripture that it's a sin to get a tattoo. I'm sitting there going, I'm not buying that. I said, okay, so what if the girl has some some verses on her arm? What if there's Scripture verses tattooed on her arm? And, And he had another reason for that as well. But there was this thing in this guy that was called legalism that said... If you get a tattoo as a Christian, you're living in sin. I'm going, where's that in the Bible? Okay? And so legalism is huge in the church. Also, I think most, most Christians see, most of you as Christians think that grace is something for new Christians. You think you're saved by grace, but you grow by works. Listen, it's all about grace. It's all about grace. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Paul says that that grace isn't something you just experience when you first become a Christian, but, but you stand in it. You are immersed in it. You see, most of you see grace kind of like a car wash. You come to know Christ, you drive through the grace car wash, right? And, and you get saved, Jesus washes you clean, then you drive around trying to figure the rest of it out for the rest of your life. Your whole life is standing in His grace. Grace, grace isn't just the starting line for the Christian life, it's the whole foundation. You're saved by it, you grow from it, you live your whole life in it. Have you ever known someone who became a Christian, then they got really prideful? Or they came to know Christ, they were really really humble at first, they were just so broken by their sin. Then a few years down the line, pride starts to creep in. 
They start going to church, reading their Bible. They start doing things for, for Jesus. And then after a while, they have this, this other attitude. And you're not really quite sure where it came from. And it's this attitude of pride. They, they start looking at other Christians and going, Yeah, she's not a very good Christian. He's not a very good Christian either. Look at what he does. Look at what she does. And they start to get this arrogance and pride when before they had this, this attitude of humility and grace, that dynamic is a person who doesn't understand how to live out the gospel. They think they're saved by grace, but they grow by work. So they're patting themselves on the back because they're like, look at what I'm doing. Look at, look at how great I am. And all the while, Jesus is saying, you're only able to do those good works because of my grace. My grace is the fuel for the rest of your life. Those good works are not because of you. I've made it possible, I've changed your life, and made it possible for you to do those good works. So this person is adding to the gospel, and they don't even know it. They don't even know it. Look at verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, even if I, Paul, this apostle, in my old age... If, if I go senile and start spouting out crazy ideas about the gospel, things about aliens and spaceships and what, what have you, if I start going crazy, if I start changing the gospel, then stop listening to me. Don't believe what I say just because I believe it. Believe it because it, it's backed up with Scripture. You see, the gospel isn't true because Paul said so. The gospel is true because God has spoken. So Paul is telling him to test everything with Scripture. He even says this, Even if an angel just were to happen to appear to you out of nowhere and tell you about a different gospel, don't listen to him. Let me ask you this. Do you know how many world religions have been started because somebody claimed to have a vision from God, an angel appeared to them, maybe Jesus in the flesh supposedly appeared to them, and they got this new revelation, this new vision from God. And because of that, we have things like Mormonism. Because of that, we have things like Buddhism. Because of that, we have things like Hinduism. And so, Paul right here, he's saying, look, it's coming. It's coming. There's going to be people that claim to have visions and revelations that are going to change or alter even slightly this gospel that I'm giving to you. Don't listen to them. Now, the reaction that you and I usually have whenever we hear the story of something like Mormonism, we think of uh, this guy Joseph Smith a long time ago supposedly had a vision from God. Maybe an angel appeared to him or whatever. But most of us think that, well, he must have just been crazy. He must have eaten some magic mushrooms or something, hallucinated, and, and that's how we got Mormonism. But let me tell you this. I believe there are evil spirits 
demon, demons can, can, can talk, demons can appear to people. I think that Satan can make appearances to people. There's a, a, a high possibility that, that Satan might do that kind of stuff to distract people from the real gospel. And so you have other religions, other cults that are false because they aren't the pure gospel. And I think that uh, if we can learn anything from that, it is that we have to judge our experiences with the gospel. The gospel and the Bible has to be our judge. If you have an experience, some crazy experience, even if you have pain in your life where you're questioning the goodness of God, you've got to let the gospel and the Bible speak into that experience. You can't let your experience be the judge of the gospel and the Bible. We do the same thing today. I'm going to close out here with a little analogy to kind of wake you up a little bit. Hopefully you guys are kind of dead today. But uh, I need to have um, eight volunteers. Just stand up. Eight volunteers, just really quickly, okay? Don't be too anxious, all right? I need eight people, all right? How many we got here? We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight, okay? Um, I need all eight of you guys to come up here and take one of these juice things up here on the stage, okay? Pick up one of them, take it back to your seat, and uh, remain standing once you've done that. And I will explain what you're going to do. Just take one. Just take one. Okay. Go back to your seat. Remain standing. Now, you look at the name of this drink. What is it called? Okay, it's called Naked, all right? Once again, they market these things because they just put, like, some controversial term on the front. You're like, oh, I want to buy that. Well, it's a bottle of juice, but it says naked, so I want to buy. And so uh, they have these in the store, and uh, it is a, what kind of drink is that? It's a protein drink, isn't it? Somebody read what is in that drink. Two and a quarter apples, all right? What does it have in it? Okay, so a hint of pineapple. A hint of coconut, and uh, there might be some vitamins, some protein added to that, possibly. All right, uh, go ahead and shake it up pretty well. Shake it up pretty well. Don't don't uh, aim it at somebody when you open it, please. It shouldn't spray. There's no carbonation in there. But what you're going to do is we're going to have a little contest here, and you're going to try to drink this as fast as you can, the entire thing. Now, the first person... You want to step away from the table, people, like if you're close by someone who's drinking this. But if you are on the count of three, when I say go, go ahead and take the lid off, get it, set it on the table right now, right in front of you. The lid's off. Get ready. Oh, you've got a little reinforcement in there. Yeah, take that off. You'll need to get rid of that. Make sure you're set to go. Make sure you're ready. All right? Set it on the table, on the table. Now, the first, when you're done drinking it, you've got to put it on the table, slam it down. First person to get it down and on the table is the winner. Now, the winner gets all three of our new style t-shirts for free. All right? You get all three of them. All right? So this is a contest. 
Now, uh, make sure you don't ruin your Sunday clothes. But on the count of three, you're going to start, okay? All right? Put on the table. On the table. On the table. Anthony. All right, on the count of three. One, two, three. Go, 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 go. Go, go. Okay, I can't tell who's in the lead. I can't see. Wow. This Nick, Nick Krejci over here, that was as fast as I've seen everyone drink anything. Okay, good job. That was amazing. That was amazing. And you didn't spill it anywhere. That was awesome. That was incredible. So you get, you get three free T-shirts on your way out. Okay? You guys go ahead and have a seat real quick, and we'll kind of wrap this thing up. But here's what... <laughs> There's some dribble over here around, I think, Anthony. Some, some dribble, I think. I don't know. Uh, but here, here's the deal. This, these drinks are called naked for what? Why do you think? Why are they called that? Okay, they're pure. They've got some things like extra, like some vitamins and so on, some protein, which means you'll be going to the bathroom later, believe me. But, but it's pure fruit juice. It's pure. All right. Now the thing is, these drinks don't taste that great. They're just pure with some vitamins added in. But they're they're really good for you, at least supposedly. They're they're really good for you, especially when you're sick. All right. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Listen up. The gospel by itself isn't attractive. It's not flashy. It doesn't always taste good. You don't always like hearing it. But it's what you need. It is what you need. And so we're going to spend the next uh, couple of months just talking about what this thing, the naked, pure gospel, what it looks like for our lives. We're going to challenge you guys to deepen yourself in the gospel, not to think that you can graduate from it and move on to the next thing, but it is the thing of the Christian life. So I hope you join us as we explore what it means to live out this thing called the naked gospel. Let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you so much for being a God who has called us by your grace. You've called us out of sin. You've called us out of darkness. You have been the rescuer of our lives. We thank you so much for being a God who has given us just a pure gospel, one that is completely from you, one that is completely your work and not our work. God, we thank you so much for Paul and for his letter to the Galatians. And how powerful of a letter it is. I pray that you would help us to learn from it, to to grow from it. I pray that any Christian in this room right now that thinks they've got the gospel nailed, they know the the, the big points, they know the step-by-step formula, I pray that you would convict us, help us to understand, God, there's always a deeper level that we need to go. We love you so much and we thank you for being a God who loves you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Guys, go ahead and leave your chairs where they're at and the tables where they're at. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. We love you guys.